This is the Volleyball Coaching Wizards podcast, covering everything coaching. Motivated and inspired by interviews and conversations with some of the world's great volleyball coaches. To learn more about the project, visit VolleyballCoachingWizards.com. Now here are your hosts, John Foreman and Mark Levijou. Welcome to episode 21 of the podcast. This time we bring back uh, Anders Christensen uh, to center stage, I suppose. In this clip that we use as the starting point, Anders talks about the importance of thinking about psychology in terms of um, how you develop your practice plans, how you communicate to your players in a practice setting, in a training setting, uh, and not just in in kind of the broad terms of developing mental toughness or working on mental abilities. Uh, it's it's an important area and uh, one that both Mark and I thought need deserved to be specifically addressed because it's something as coaches that we probably don't give enough attention to when we're developing a practice plan and when we're communicating to our players what we need to work on and why. Uh, hopefully you get a lot out of this and of course if you do we'd appreciate you going over to iTunes and and leaving us a rating for the podcast. Um, here we go. You also have to think of the psychological factor. If you're working too much with the problem area, you have to at least consider that the play might uh, get worse. <laughs> yes. If you if you put it too much as a problem, I mean, that's why I mean the psychological factor is also something that you have to involve in your training. You have to think about that without saying now we are practicing mental training, but you have to think about this factor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I think about often uh, the more you shine a light on something, the more it becomes a, an issue. So you have to yeah, find the yeah. balance between yes. practicing the weaknesses, but sometimes not telling the yeah, players yeah. that it's a weakness. Um, no, no. And, and sometimes actually just do the opposite. Practice your strength. Yeah. Also, don't forget to practice your strength. People feel good about this, and maybe you become even more secure about it. More, more. I wanted to do it more. If you only focus on the bad things, or on the more bad, or that things are not so good, I think you create a very heavy, heavy environment or heavy situation. Yeah. Try, try to to. I I always think about this or doing this to. Try reminding myself. Remember to to practice also your good things. Yeah. Not just hopping over to a new area where it's uh, we can win something, but remember to to also repeat the good things. I think that's a wonderful point by by Anders there, and um, uh, I think uh, my reply was also uh, where I would re- start this thing and um, that the shining a light on something, and it's a phrase that I, I use also every day or, or often, shining a light on something um, brings it more to the foreground. And uh, if, you're all, if you're always focusing on your weaknesses, exactly as Anders said, the uh, it tends to, to bring the mood down. All you're thinking about is that you're bad at something or not as good at something as you need to be. And, um, and that has a psychological effect over time. And uh, one, one of the ways that, that I 
work with that or that I consider that in my training work is um, also as I as I intimated in my reply there to to Anders that I don't necessarily talk about weaknesses or um, or things that we have to improve. Sometimes, obviously, I do, but but other times, uh, some things I'll just include in the structure of the practice during the week and um, uh, and work on it in in that way rather than uh, create the tension. Uh, necessary that's uh, sometimes accompanies that kind of work. All right. Now, just related to that, um, and would an example of that be, say, say you wanted to work on server reception, but you didn't want to actually explicitly tell the team you want to work on server reception. Do you not say anything about it and just make sure that you're including server initiated games and drills? Is that kind of where you're going with it? Uh, that's one of the ways, uh, but the formulation that you use is a little bit different. So if I say I want to work on, that's not necessarily a negative. If I start, a, so I can st at the beginning of practice, say I want to spend some time this week on serve reception. That's not, uh, the, that's not a negative, right. but if I start the conversation and, and maybe I'm giving some answer that I hadn't hit on yet, if I start the conversation with we are really bad at server reception. We need to do this much better and we're going to spend a lot of practice time on server reception. Then, you know, once I can do that, but if I do that over the course of one or two or three weeks, that creates that negative environment that, that we talked about. But in general, uh, the answer to the, your specific question is, is yes. So if I want to practice serve reception more if i feel there is we have a weakness in serve reception and we need to practice it more then uh i would do more serve initiated drills and have more uh side out uh side out in a row type drills rather than side out plus high ball plus free ball plus down ball uh games right okay yeah and to your point about how you present you know, we want to work on versus we're not very good at. Um, it's almost like uh, self-talk in, in terms of, of potential impact. You know, if you keep saying it, eventually you're going to believe it. And that's yes. just going to be, that's going to become your identity. Uh, yes. we don't power it, or we don't, you know, we don't run the BIC very well. Or yes. Whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I yes. definitely. Um, <clears throat> and I'd, I'd like to what Anders said about, you know, you gotta, you gotta work on the stuff you're good at too. Yep. And, and obviously there's, there's a, there's a school of thought which says you want to play your strengths and you want to continue to develop your strengths. And, and that's part of that equation. But you like, I mean, the, the way Anders was going with this was you need to ease it, as you were saying earlier, the tension of being fixated on the things that you need to get better at by letting them kind of be successful and you know enjoy the process and, and realize that they are actually you know relatively good at something even if it's not everything um yeah. and and i would extend it just to you know, players need to have fun at times it's it is a game you play it because you enjoy it um so there, there there does need to be occasionally at least some fun in, injected in things and that's part of it well that speaks more to the maybe an overarching point about 
uh, mood of practice and um, and how to help people, you know, cope with the the ups and downs ups and downs of a season. With regards to strengths and weaknesses, though, it's uh, um, as Vital talks about. Uh, in his after match that he always gives after match addresses to to a team so that he can control the, the narrative of the team or of the match um, and in the same way the, the coach controls lots of other narratives by by the information that he gives in practice by the things that he practices by the, what he writes on the on the whiteboard and um, emphasizing strengths is is one of those ways and uh, um, practicing the things we're we're really good at so we're really good at this this is our uh, this is our great strength this is what we're going to keep keep doing this is what we're going to keep dominating at um, that's you know part of, of creating a, an identity and and the balance is a really interesting balance between um, working improving weaknesses and and uh, emphasizing strengths. And I, the Berlin team, we worked a long time and our strength uh, was always, was always our uh, defense and, and transition. So our ability to score points by playing volleyball for want of a better description. And there was one, one period in the, in the time together where I, I spend a significant part of our practice time uh, with side out, that we improved our side out because for a team at our level, our side out was actually not that great, um, particularly our first ball side out. If you, if you actually dug a little bit deeper, we were, we were often the, um, the third best side out team in the, in the German league. For example, mm-hmm. we made up for it by being um, we were good in in transition, in block, inside out, and we were good for breakpoint situations. Right. But what I found out that by spending uh, an amount of practice time on side out offense and first ball side out offense, and focusing on that for what ended up being maybe a month, we, we became marginally better at, at side out that we were, we were trying for, but we really lost the identity of who we are and what, what we'd built over, over the three or four year period. And, and our defense was worse. Our transition was worse because we'd, uh, We'd been working on a lot of static type drills because side out is a is a st- is the most static part of the game, and mm-hmm. you know we improved the area that we wanted to improve, but we lost everything else. So um, at some point in the in the season, I I flipped it back again and and uh, went back to the things that we were we were good at, our identity, our strengths, and uh, just made the decision that. We'll muddle through on side out and um, be the best offensive team. Right, and that speaks to the the idea of you talked about having a team identity. Yeah, what you do in in training helps to build that identity. 
Yeah. So if you, as the coach, are, are really focused on Dave, as you said, then naturally the team is going to get focused on service even and start building an identity based on that, which may or mm -hmm. may not be the identity that you are looking for. Um, I mean, in your case, you aren't necessarily trying to build an identity as a good side out team, but the natural reaction is from the players, uh, given that much attention, is that, okay, we want to be that team as opposed to we want to be this other team that we're, we're already good at. So you need, as a coach, you need to be aware of where you're taking things or where you're, you're allowing the mentality of the players to take things and the direction you want to go. Um, when I was coaching the Exeter men, we, we were small. And so we were going to struggle as that side-out team because yeah. we were always, always facing big blocks, bomb servers against the better teams, and that just wasn't us. We were we had to be the transition team. Mm -hmm. I, I had to talk with the guys about listen, you know, we needed to develop the transition mentality because we can't play we can't play the net game at the same level as these other guys. You know, yeah. just the straight up being blocking. We we need to be the team that digs balls um, and scores off of those and have a better team to play more of a now game than strictly a men's style game. And it, it takes a while, but you know, the more you, you have that involved in how you train, the more that identity is going to be set. Yep. Yep. I, I agree. Um, the only thing I'd say is that the, in some way the, the identity is a, is an organic process. It's a, it's, more to do with the the group uh not more to do but it's a it's partly to do with the group of people that you have mm -hmm. and and then the way that you coach them and um right. once you develop that identity then then you can spend the uh the time working right and, and my point there is that you as the coach need to, to be looking at your squad and you know, not just the players, but also the staff, obviously, and everything that goes around it, and looking at what it can be, and where your strengths are, and where your weaknesses are, and help that identity process along based mm -hmm. on where you think the team can go. Yep, yep. Um, Keep working on your strengths while improving your weaknesses. <laughs> Always comes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say it's not, it's not brain surgery. No, no, or rocket science, <laughs> or rocket science. <laughs> One part of uh, Anders is talking about the psychology of of the training and and how the the training uh, affects the the overall mood, the overall. Uh, confidence of the player and uh, ultimately when we're having this conversation I think we're, we're talking about uh, about confidence and a player how a player feels about going into the game and if we if we are talking about weaknesses a lot we're chipping away at somebody's confidence if you're always emphasizing that part um you are by necessity um, making 
making a uh, challenging a player's confidence. And a confidence is something that, that a player always needs to go into the game. And uh, conversely, when you practice your strengths, you're, you're building somebody's confidence. And I think this is, uh, in general, something that we, we don't appreciate um, as much as we might. And I've, I've had the situation, uh, even at this point in my career, where I've, I've been around a lot of players and a lot of players of a, of a good level who are uh, experienced winners who've been through a lot of situations that the that confidence is is far more fragile than uh, than you might imagine and i'm sure for for younger players the it's even more so yeah and it actually makes me think about how a lot of us when we we think about doing subs for example to bring in a player who we want to get a little bit of court time. And maybe it's garbage time in a set. And, you know, it, it, but the idea is you bring in the player when they're going to be in a position to succeed. Just to, to exactly, your, it's about developing confidence and building confidence and giving them a chance to do well what they generally do well. And, and too many times we don't necessarily think of that in the same way in the broader perspective of, of what we're doing in training. Um, you know, we, we have the mentality in one place, but we don't necessarily have the mentality in another place. I think that you can, you can extend it to even to the level of technical practice, technical instruction. So if you have a player who has some experience with volleyball, now not an absolute beginner because obviously they're a, a literal blank slate, but somebody who has had any level of success. And if you bring them into the practice, into the gym and say, okay, you you can't do this, this, we need to fix this. You are necessarily challenging their confidence in what they can do. Now, if it's something that if somebody can't serve over the net and say, we need to fix your serve, then it's clear. But if somebody's had some little bit of success and you know can uh, can spike pretty well and and more or less goes where they wanted to and they score some points and you tell them, okay, the first thing we're going to do is fix your spiking, then what you're actually saying to them is you can't spike right now. Right, and, and that is a negative. That's a negative um, uh, statement against somebody it it's a it's a challenge and um this is even when we're talking about technical development we we have to be careful of of this confidence of this uh, psychological psychological part of the of the work right and and a step further not only do you potentially risk uh, shattering confidence a little strong but certainly chipping away confidence you run the risk of pushback because the player who has had success before and suddenly you're telling them they're not very good, you know, whether it's a state of denial or just they don't, uh, they don't believe you or, or as, as Arnie, um, or as Arnie Ball said in his uh, kind of the end of his interview, um, the coach is a liar. (laughs) 
whatever the case may be, then then your job becomes that much more difficult. Yes. To try to get them to do go in the direction you want to take them. Yes. Yeah, uh, really. So the you know, Anders' point there, the both the the specific and the the general part of it is really important. And coaching, we know, is uh, multifaceted. Uh, I think is a nice way to describe it. It, it really just includes so many different things, and um, and too little of the time we think about the psychology, how what we are working in practice, how we work in practice affects the psychological uh, level, the psychological state of the players, how we can develop confidence by, um, um, by how we work or conversely how we can um, not shatter but how we can negatively affect um, negatively affect confidence is just the same. Right. And, and this is something that, you know, for certain, perhaps for certain of us who have, I guess you could say kind of a forward looking point of view where, and this is something I talked about with, with Ryan Mitchell is, you know, for some of us, you know, we reach a, a level of success or, or an achievement. We win a title, we win a match, whatever. And we're automatically on to the next thing. We don't spend, perhaps don't spend enough time enjoying the success we've just had. Uh, and players can obviously do this too. But the point that Ryan and I were kind of talking about was that as coaches, we need to make sure that, yes, okay, eventually we need to get on to the point of how do we get better from here? Mm-hmm. Um, but we also need to acknowledge the progress that's been made and allow the players allow the team to enjoy that and to recognize that. And I think one of the, and I've talked with, with players here at Midwestern, one of the things you don't see as a player is how far you've come. It's because yeah. of the gradual process, you don't, you don't see the, the gains that you've made because you're, you're thinking about, as a lot of players, especially on the women's side, they're, they're still thinking about, well, I'm not very good at or I need to be yeah. better at. And yeah, I've got all these things I have to I have to work on. Yep. And uh, forgetting what you uh, what you've done. Yeah, and I, that's, that's an integral part of, of building that confidence in players where you need to do that. Yeah, I I had a couple of guys, particularly young guys, that I talked about that quite a lot with this year. So with the um, you know the difference between now and at the beginning. Yeah, you feel bad now, but. Do you remember how you were at the beginning that you you were not able to do this thing? So yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. So I've come a, I've come a long way. All right. So I can feel a little bit good about that. Yep. And um, yeah, it just it just keeps going and going. Yeah, and, and we need to to recognize that even in the process of practice, and it goes to your point about how we address players in the team through the course of, of not just what we're going to work on, but actually working on it. Yeah. Um, and not, not that obviously we want every, every rep is not going to be successful. Um, and we don't, we shouldn't look for every rep to be successful. Uh, Karch in the, in the HB clinic last year said that in the USA gym, 
their goal is to have two out of three successful reps, which by definition means one out of three is not successful. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously we need to deal with, as you said, psychology, how that is. You know, if you're if you're dealing with perfectionist players, then one out of three is going to be a challenge for them. And we need to, you know, and we're obviously working on on walking that line. Uh, yes, yeah, I, it's. Uh, um, I've heard that idea before with um, uh, with American football, with NFL teams or college teams that they, when they plan their practices, they because they're they're playing offense against defense so both sides are both sides are working um mm-hmm. you know they they only program six repetitions or eight or two or whatever it is and then they say okay from these six we expect it to work well three times or four times or or whatever it is because the um you know the the defense is also working so you know you can do it the other way around, you can say we expect the defense to be successful two times, and uh, yeah, I, I like that. I need to listen to that uh, that Karch idea a little bit more. the The idea of um, you know have of unsuccessful unsuccessful repetitions, right? Right. It's it's an interesting one, and it and it's also. The interesting element of, of getting that balance right, because if you if there's not enough success, then the team gets frustrated, and you might see them shut down, and it's and, you know ends up being an unproductive practice, and you you're dealing with the psychological issues that we've been talking about. Yeah. Whereas if it's not if there's not enough failure, then you're just not pushing enough, and there's not enough development. Yeah. All right, we're we're getting close on time. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I, nothing. Uh, I think that I really need to add. I I think the points that uh, that Anders made originally, the points that we've talked about, that um, it's not only practice is not only technical, it's not only tactical, it's not only teamwork, but it's it's there's a psychology of it from a, a day-to-day work perspective and um and we need to consider that as well as every other little thing that we need to consider <laughs> coaching's hard yeah exactly <laughs> that's why we love it that's why we love it that's why we love the end of the season <laughs> <laughs> but then get excited about the beginning of the next one for some inexplicable reason yes Yes, we're crazy like that. Exactly. All right, we'll leave it there. No worries. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For show notes and more, visit volleyballcoachingwizards.com backslash podcast. Got an idea for a future episode or want to ask a question? Send an email to podcast at volleyballcoachingwizards.com.